are going to know that this is a great massage stick? No, I'll let that part out. You'll let that part out? Yeah. I gotta, I gotta grab my Switch so that I can see what, what games to talk about and play. Because you, uh, you ripped me away from my Switch. I guess you tried to do it a minute ago, but I took my sweet time and, uh, I stopped playing my Switch so that I can, you know, maybe play a little Apex. Oh, there's a new event going on. And then I'm like, oh, oh, maybe I shouldn't play Apex because we still have to do a podcast on to play Control. You know what, Nick? I finished Control. We put it on the schedule, for real. I played the game at night, a couple nights in a row, uh-huh. and I finished it. So we don't have to be doing that dance again where we're like, oh, what what game, what game, what game, what are we doing now? Uh, but the th- I played Control. We're here. We finally did it. This is probably my fault. Uh, but hey, hey, we got here. I don't know why I was so timid or delayed mm-hmm. in playing Control. Yeah. Because uh, Control, Remedy, Max Payne, games that, you know, are my favorite, but I like. I feel like you really liked Max Payne too. I feel like that was just like game you randomly played one day. Also, hi, this is Garbage Game Club. What? I'm are we wrong. live? I guess it's pre-recorded. Pre-recorded. Oh, you're Nick. I'm Joey. Yes. I'm Joey. And we're here to talk about video games. Like if Oprah did a book club, but we're doing a video game club, garbage game club. I feel like it's self-explanatory in the title. I don't know if we got to... So basically, what we do is every week... Yeah, I mean, it's like every other week we play through a game that we decide on ahead of time. And we hope you also play. I actually saw a couple people in our Discord talking about it. Uh, which you can check out over on cybergarbage.com. So, mini plugs, yeah. And uh, there are a couple people talking about the game, and uh, I'm very excited to discuss the things they talk about. We are talking, of course, about the 2019 release. This is a modern release, contemporary. Yeah. We're, we're up to date. This is what the kids are talking about, or at least it's what they were talking about. I feel like our last couple of episodes have all been super contemporary. We just did, like, Link's Awakening. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. We've been, I, I, I think it's important to do, like, modern... 2019 games because you know that's the one that people are inevitably going to play but we are talking about Remedy Entertainment's Control I why are you so apprehensive to play Control I don't think I was apprehensive apprehensive mm-hmm. I don't think I was southern either I don't think I was southern or apprehensive I um I feel like this this was some some beefy homework that that took place in a little bit of a hectic time in our life and it was something that was easy to for me to push off a little bit right. even though once I actually sat down and played the game I completed it in I want to say like four nights and maybe it took like 10, 10 hours I'd, I'd say about 10 hours um, I was I was happy once I started playing it to continue playing it but just the actual activation energy of like getting the wheels rolling Whew, that one that one was rough for me. I don't I don't know why. I feel like I had a mental block with this game. And I shouldn't because of things like uh, the, the pedigree that it comes from or how much you said that you liked it in conversations around the house before. I should have just been like, fuck, I'm going to play this game tomorrow. But you know what I did? I was like, man, I want to play Apex. And I just did that. And I was like a lazy piece of shit. But you know what? We're here. And what some people might not know is that I finished playing Control 15 minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's like, I did it. And then I was like, cool, let's record. <laughs> yeah, so this game is fresh in my minds because I just, I, 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 
I just finished um, a testament to a recording schedule. We don't miss episodes. And one thing you mentioned is just, you know, building the energy just to get it started. But once you do, you're good to go. Like, I feel like that's what control kind of does. I feel like the game, unlike pretty much any Remedy game except maybe Max Payne, it just kind of starts. There's like four minutes where you're not doing anything action-related, but that quickly goes away. Very quickly goes away. You immediately are kind of thrust into a position where you're like, oh, this is the intrigue, and now I'm ready to start shooting some fools. I think that's kind of neat. Can you explain Control to me? I know that I said I just finished it, but like, I feel like at the end of the game, spoiler, Jesse, protagonist, says something that kind of we might never actually know what happened here. And I'm like, yeah, I get you, girl. I don't entirely know what the fuck happened here, and I just finished the game. So I feel like I can use a little bit of uh, a little bit of some education, some, some education. Well, we play as Jesse, a woman in search of her brother, and her quest to find her brother, who they were separated when they were fairly young, probably like adolescence, roughly. And uh, she comes across a building called the Federal Bureau of Control. And something inside of her, some sort of entity that you find out very quickly, like she's clearly cohabitating her body with some other ethereal form to some extent. And that ethereal form guides or personality or like it's almost like she has like a like a personality disorder. I think she's possessed by something. I think that there is another entity. I, I, I don't know that her personality shifts dramatically well like she changes she has her own character arc in the game which I think is super unique but outside of that like she's kind of on a quest she will do whatever she can to find her brother and that quest brings her to the Federal Bureau of Control a shadow organization orchestrated by the US government that oversees weird phenomena that happen in the local United States in a way that's very, very reminiscent of X-Files, Twin Peaks. Um, and honestly, like, I think the biggest influence on this game, like, I'm, Sam, Sam Lake, the writer for the game, also the voice of Max Payne, or, I'm sorry, the face of Max Payne, is really into the weird outer limits sci-fi, weird things that happen in the... Uh, day-to-day mundane life and it's all about basically things that are less spectacular than ufo abductions more mundane but just as creepy but the biggest inspiration i think is the scp are you familiar with scp uh yeah i get down with scp yeah you know me get down with this scp is a creepy pasta it's like an entire uh wiki of Creepypasta. It's yeah, the ones with the clown makeup? That's uh, ICP. Oh, fuck. Okay, sorry. Uh, but, but what SCP is, it's Secure, Contain, and Protect. And it's the idea that it's an entirely online wiki community that has agreed upon certain rules. And the rules for this organization is there are things in our day-to-day life that threaten us without us even knowing about it. There are things that, you know, it, it's a... A, a creature that takes the form of an unassuming object like a doll but as soon as you make eye contact with it you're forever doomed to make eye contact because the second you look away it gets closer and closer until, until it ultimately kills you and there's variations of it it's basically a government facility with 
cells for each object of power, which is something that you come across regularly in control. And these objects or entities have supernatural uh, paranormal abilities or sometimes so like making containment cells for like a jukebox yeah, or a slideshow projector or a, or a dinner fork and they're like ooh these things are possessed yeah it's the idea that there's this hidden world within arm's reach that we have zero idea of but it threatens the very not only our own lives but the livelihoods of humanity as a whole and I'm very into that idea like UFOs it's so old but uh, a radio that will shift the frequencies that'll cause people to change gravity like Stuff like that's neat. That's interesting. And that's what this entire Bureau of Control is designed to do. So it feels like this weird love letter to internet culture, horror, creepy pasta, Twin Peaksy, all that stuff. This is stuff that we got in Alan Wake and to a lesser extent Quantum Break. But it just coalesces into... I, f- I, I feel like it's a cornucopia of stuff that you like. Like, all the things you described are things that you that you are fair, that you care about a lot. Yeah. Um, and to a l- I'd say that I care about them significantly less. Yeah. So, I feel like I didn't initially have this, this drawing to the world like you did. Like, you, you were like, oh man, this is like, I can feel the influence, or I can see the Twin Peaks, or I, this feels like Lynchian, or, and I'm just like, Okay, this is like interesting alternate America creepy Area 51 kind of ordeal. But beyond that, I didn't really care for the lore in the same way that I didn't care for Max Payne's lore or... So you you basically played Max Payne just because you liked the way it feels. I played Max Payne because I liked the way it feels, so that is the correct statement. And now Control, if you strip away all of the, the, the accoutrement, and you're just like getting to the gameplay, it it does, I feel like it, it it's taking inspiration from a Max Payne, from un, other third-person shooters, and from, well, what else do you think it draws from? Because it feels like an iteration on Max Payne. It feels like an iteration of Max Payne combined with a game that is relatively obscure. It was a PS2 game called PsyOps, The Mindgate Conspiracy, and it was one of the first games where you played a telekinetic, where you would roam around a government facility and pick people up with your mind and throw them across the room. It was like one of the first PS2 games that did ragdoll-esque physics. You could set people on fire just by looking at them, like that sort of thing. And so it feels very evocative of something kind of cult status, but brings it into uh, the, the world of 2019 in a way that's, I think, super approachable and very fun because unlike Psygate Conspiracy, I, I think that one of the most fascinating things about Control is Jesse. I think Jesse is a fantastic character in a way that really showcases Sam Lake has improved in his ability to write. Because I recently rewatched a little bit of Alan Wake thinking like, oh man, I remember really enjoying like the world, the characters. And Alan Wake is just the worst. He's a terrible human being. Like, I don't feel sympathy for you at all. He's a he's terrible, he's a terrible husband. He complains a lot. All of his musings are just sophomoric, like light is darkness, and darkness is the absence of light. 
so the darkness is inside me, blah, blah, blah. Like, it just all feels so, like, weird sophomore prose. Whereas this doesn't really seek to be deep. It really feels like Jesse is a real person who is just stuck in this world of the paranormal. It's like, well, I don't really know what's going on here. I guess I'm going to go on along for the ride because, you know, my, I'm trying to find my brother. And we see that, that shift over the course of the game because she's very timid at first. She's very... Tepid, yeah. She's she doesn't understand what's going on, but like something really beautiful that I don't think any game does particularly well. Other games try to, but they always fall tremendously short. Is she starts to get a feel, and she doesn't just feel comfortable. She loves what she starts to realize. Like this is my job now, and she loves doing her job in a way where something like if you were to compare it to uh, what was that first two, just Tomb Raider. The reboot for the, the yeah. Theater franchise. Laura's like, oh no, oh. I've never killed anyone. I don't know. A different arc, for sure. Well, like she and kills, like she kills her first person in Tomb Raider, and she's just like dramatic. It's like, oh, this is interesting. You know, she has trauma from taking her first life, and then it immediately followed by like taking out five more people, and it's like, okay, well that story beat is done, so we're not going to address it any further. We see that small arc shift as Jesse moves further and further along into control. Yeah, Jesse's a Jesse's a fun character. I I think even the supporting cast of characters in control is cool. I didn't like everyone. No, but I don't think you're supposed to either. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, but there's a sense of, like, you know, liking pe- or liking or not liking people because, like, oh, this guy's clearly, like, a slimy douchebag. I don't want to like him because I don't like people like that versus, like, I don't really feel... feel the character. I don't really feel the character. Was there a certain character? Um, Bangalore. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> she, I, that's... For those of you who didn't play the game, she is a, an older black woman with curly hair. What? No, it's not. You're lumping people I, in a category. No, I didn't. I just I just used a simile to describe someone you in a way. Game speak. It's fine. Jesus. But just gamer talk over here. Stop! <laughs> Don't say that word. <laughs> um, the thing is, is, is like I liked I liked the the dude uh, in in the vault in charge of controlling all the items because he was pleasantly weird and kind of fucked up and like. Uh, He's someone who's jaded by his job. Yeah. And that's. One of my favorite parts of the game is it's not just cosmological horror. At this point in 2019, cosmological existential horror is so trite. Like, it's like well-trodden ground at this point. The thing that Control does well is mundane horror. It's like the kind of horror that people regularly experience on a day-to-day when they're like, I just got to wake up at 8 o'clock and get to my office job by 9. I'm going to make my cup of coffee. It's like this, this pattern that some people with unfulfilling jobs or lives get into where they're just unhappy and that unhappiness brews this kind of dread for everything that it's it's like we planned this out so that we can you know do a podcast about like this uh this type of horror and then follow up next week a podcast about another type of horror that they're both in similar veins they're not like you know it's it's not scary horror per se but it's like mundane horror for both things we're doing so we planned this out to delay this episode to have a halloween theme hurry here first i wasn't procrastinating and, and you know, Remedy didn't have a triple A budget. This is effectively a single oh, budget can we, studio. Can we talk about that? I well, mean, I guess we are. I think they maximized it, though. I think they did the best 
possible thing that could with the resources. Oh, yeah, but now I realize how spoiled I am on stuff. Like, if you're going to give me, make me look at characters who, like, don't have great lip sync for their dialogue or their faces don't look that awesome, like, ooh, I really notice it now. You can't get away with that. One thing that does look awesome, though, is just how gorgeous everything else is in Control. I think that the particle effects and just the debris... And the, the, like, we played it on PC, so uh, I don't know if you actually activated... DirectX 12! We, we activated ray tracing on our fancy graphics cards, and the reflections and the lighting cues are stunning. This is like cutting-edge tech. Literally, it is the best use of ray tracing, I think, to date. Move over Metro Exodus and Battlefield 5. Yeah, it's it looks beautiful. Um, it, it feels like, though, aside from the lighting, I wouldn't know that much different if it was just like you told me this was a PS4 game. Yeah. Like a high-budget PS4 game. Oh, which it's, on PS4, you get like sub-12 frames. Wow, really? Yeah, it's pretty rough. I think they optimized it with a patch, but on launch, everyone's like, this game's kind of unplayable on a launch PS4. Oof. Um, not the Pro Edition. No, on a pro you'd be fine. Yeah. It it was like a it's like a game that feels triple A in visuals almost all the time. But then there's small instances where it's like Okay. But I would argue that the highs of control reach the highs, if not higher, than most triple games because I feel like this game does a great job of fulfilling the power fantasy that a lot of games strive to evoke. Where it just you feel all powerful, and I feel like I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. You feel in control. You feel in control. But um, going back real quick, just to the budget and like a lot of the hallways, a lot of the rooms and environments, they feel very copy paste. And I think that's something that you can't really get around when you don't have a big budget when making a game. I don't know anything about making games, but like I, I've worked with budgets in production, so it's a similar thing where you realize you have to make do with what you can. Yeah, and I mean, the game does make do with that by kind of almost being slightly Metroid-esque in the sense that there's a bunch of doors you can't open until you progress enough through the game to get, you know, level access. So you go back around, you see the same areas multiple times. So instead of, you know, having a a more linear Call of Duty-esque, every level that you progress forward is a completely different set piece. It's you're, you're going through a facility. The whole game takes place inside a facility. A giant facility that I don't know how it would exist ever, but, you know. An office. It's an office. I, f- I feel like facility makes it a little more intriguing, but I feel like... Well, the, you, you, you can leave the office and then go down to the giant quarry underneath the office, so, I mean, I feel like facility's okay. Right, right, but, but what I'm saying is the copy-paste nature of a lot of the environments lend themselves, I think, to that horror, where it's like, wait, wasn't that just here? Like, it's the idea that this place is so massive that it's just like... I'm getting deja vu. I feel like I've been here before. It lends itself to that every... Oh, man, this hallway is so long. This is so dreadfully, like, the same, but in a way that's exciting because you never get stuck in that dread. But going back to the Metroid thing, I think that's actually one of my biggest criticisms of the game because I think that, like Metro, you are retreading ground in order to... Uh, find unlockable abilities, uh, extra skills, uh, upgrade perks, and things like that. But unlike Metroid, if I find a way to game the system, game the game, and get into a place I'm not supposed to be able to get into yet, the game does a very bad job of rewarding you for that. 
In fact, it, it kind of feels like a punishment in that it's like, hey, you can't open this door because you didn't get this far in the game yet. So, yeah, you managed to get into this secret hidden area, but you can't actually access the secret hidden area until you get the flying ability. Like, that was a thing that I felt like, Metroid, if I figure out how to game the mechanics, I can get into areas I might not be able to, or I'm not supposed to get in this early in the game, but it still is like, well, you figured it out, so you can have this missile upgrade. Whereas Control, it doesn't really do that. You're just like, okay, I guess I gotta remember I need to come back here. Yeah, the game does a good job of looping you back around, but it's like, ah. Uh... Sometimes I don't feel like I can't be asked to go back, you know, I'm just like, eh. Oh, yeah, like, I mean, I didn't, I didn't care. The game has... Uh, a hodgepodge of mechanics like there's a, there's a slight RPG upgrade system where you know you can upgrade your powers based on objectives completed there's like uh, collecting different resources and different upgrades you can attach to your weapons or your, your person which feels like it feels a little unnecessary unnecessary because I never really was able to properly craft the stuff I might have wanted to or it feels like you don't have enough control pardon the pun over it because a lot of it just comes down to random drops. Well, and you kind of streamlined the game, because you kind of, you finished in about 10 hours, and I think I spent like maybe 16 hours in doing Oof. as many additional things as I could, just because I love the world so much. I didn't want to do that. But but I found that by the end of that 16 hours, I could craft, you know, level 5 uh, upgrades, I could uh, do the level 5 uh, personal armor upgrades, and yeah. like really upgrade my guns all the way to max. And I was like, okay, I mean, that was cool. I'm just glad I got to see a little bit more of this game. But I think you saw the inverse of that, where if you streamline it, you find yourself wanting a little bit of, in crafting materials. So I think in balance-wise, I feel like that's an appropriate amount where, you know, there's the... We have both sides of the... Both extremes that we're playing through this game as like a control test. And I think that the average player will be somewhere in between both of us. And I think that's okay. But I just wish that it looked different. I have a big thing about cosmetics and upgrades. Like, if you're going to have a really finely tuned upgrade system, showcase it visually somehow. Like, I know that's asking a lot because that's additional resources and assets. But, like... It's so comprehensive and so, like, mundane. It's, like, uh, Roman numerals everywhere. And I'm like, what is this symbol? Okay, yeah, sure. I can... Yeah, there's a bunch of symbols that, you like, you don't have to learn, but you're like, what, whatever. I guess they needed a graphic, so they decided to, like, make their own language. But it's just... Uh... Yeah. I, I, I don't I, I don't need it. Yeah, the, the part... That's exactly it. It feels kind of bloated. It feels like stuff that I didn't need. Um... I was nice to have the gun upgrades, but it feels like they just scale at the same time the enemies do, so it's really hard to notice that, like, you're getting stronger in line with the enemies, so. What guns did you find yourself using the most? Just the, the main pistol. Only the main pistol? And then I used the, the chargey, longer-range weapon. Because um, the game doesn't have great AI. No, they doesn't. The game does not have great AI. So if you really want to play the game like a shitty person, you can you can cheese the enemy AI pretty pretty well. And if you're willing to be patient, you can do a lot of just like uh, a lot of kiting, a lot of shooting from afar, a lot of uh, you know, just repeatedly throwing kinetic objects at people. And, and it makes the game easier if you're patient enough for it. I didn't really die any time to gunfights because I would just like, you know, so take a step back, walk back a room, pick up some crystals on the ground that I needed for more health, come back, shoot someone from afar, and then rinse and repeat, and I'm like, okay. Yeah. 
I never felt like I was like a, like a shot that would be in a trailer where I where I hover into a room and then like a badass I'm just max painting stuff down. I feel like it was more methodical really? that I played the game. See, I feel the exact opposite in that I felt I only gained the game when there was like encounters that I was like, oh, this isn't a fun fight. I'm just gonna get rid of this as soon as I can. But for the most part, I feel like. I enjoyed most of the encounters, even though I knew a lot of them were coming, because I felt like the trailer moment, where it's like, I fly, I dash into a room, I jump off, like, the third floor, and as I'm uh, floating towards the ground, I'm picking people off with headshots, and then I'm also picking up debris to block oncoming fire, and then firing it back at them. I never used my shield. Oh, I, I used it towards the end, just because I was like, oh, if you upgrade this all the way, this is way more fun. But... The best upgrade in the game is the ability to pick up human targets and then throw those at each other. I also didn't possess anyone. Huh? I also didn't possess anyone ever. I did possession near the end just to see what it did, and it was definitely interesting, especially in encounters with a lot of enemies, especially the last encounter, because I thought the last encounter in the game, like the quote-unquote last boss, is so bad. That I was just like, oh, I'll let someone else fight for me. This is bad. The best boss is actually um, if you do the side quest for the refrigerator. No, the refrigerator is pretty cool. Yeah. And it's like the first time in the game you see this uh, entity, like an actual like otherworldly style entity, which is pretty neat. I'm in I'm into stuff like that, um, and it, it, that kind of goes back to the the refrigerator, where you know if you're looking at it, it won't kill you, but as soon as you turn away. You get destroyed, as we see by the the guard who's been stuck looking at this refrigerator for 12 hours straight. I liked one thing in particular about this game, and I feel like it's probably very polarizing. Mm. Uh, The way that the reload mechanic worked. How so? Well, in the game, when you run out of bullets, you don't just automatically reload. Well, I mean, you do, but, like, you don't just clip in, clip out, okay, I have more bullets. You're like, you don't have to do ammo management, you're never picking up ammo. You basically, all your guns have infinite ammo, but once you deplete your your charge meter on your gun, it has to pause and then reload all the way back up to full before you can shoot again. So it creates this moment of of strategic tension. Yeah. When when you're using the gun and like how to mix that between your other abilities to get maximize the downtime of your gun. Um yeah, I it's a cool down. Yeah. It, it, I I like the way it worked. I like the way that I didn't have to care about ammo and it just felt fun. Uh, like like a small little complexity layer. I did find myself throughout the entirety of my playthrough um, hitting R to reload every time I was low on ammo. Really? Yeah. It's which a big condition? Oh yeah. I mean, I played so many FPS. Also, also, anyone who uses F as the use key oh, that's bad. by default in a game is wrong. The default use key is E. <laughs> that is correct. That's... I don't know what the fuck you were thinking, Remedy. The default use key is E. Uh, but, like, you, you, you mentioned, like, moments of tension created by the cooldown after you deplete your ammo. Like, I don't think... that I think that if something like that were to be introduced right at the beginning of the game, like, overwhelm you with enemies and you only have one type of gun with zero powers, I feel like that would be unfun. 
But what Control does so well is slowly immerse you into... It does a good job of introducing you to every new mechanic that the game decides it wants to introduce you to. And it does a good job of slowly pulling you in until ultimately, by the end of the game, you're taking on like 15 to 20 different enemies at that time. But early on in the game, you're only met with maybe three to four enemies that a few well-placed pistol shots will be fine. But then, once enemies start to get a little more overwhelming, we start to get like our telekinetic ability, we start to get our second, our shotgun uh, attachment, I guess it would be. And then you start to like, okay, now I have a little more of a repertoire. I can, I can dance a little bit, I can freestyle a bit. And I think by the end of the game, you're just doing all sorts of different dance styles and changing on the fly, which is really fun. And it feels like mastery of the game to some extent. It's like, oh, you expect me to be able to dance these eight different dances. And you know what? I can't because it's not that difficult. Yeah, the game isn't that difficult ever, which is a combination of, like, all of the powers at your disposal because you really start to feel uber-powerful. And the AI. Yeah. Uh, between between those two, the game never feels that difficult. I feel like most of the time that I was dying, it was... Which was very few and far between. But most of the time I was dying, it was out of my own stupidity or greed and not because I was, like, playing the game well. But whenever you do die, you know what's frustrating is the checkpoint system. The checkpoint system in this game is god-awful. It sends you so far back, and it's just like, oh, that's the only time the game felt like a chore is when I accidentally died. It was like, oh, you mean I gotta go all the way down? Uh, what, what is it, the, the one where the plants are? Underneath? Where all the mold? Yeah, where the mold is. But first you gotta glide down all the way down the elevator shaft. I was like, okay, I gotta run into this room. It just felt like such a chore when you die, and it would send you so far back. So it's like, if they just fixed the checkpoint system a little bit, this would be. We've been conditioned for games to be too easy. Death should be punishable. I mean, that's not fun, though. Like, that kind of punishment isn't fun. I'd rather, like, lose something than to actually have to, like, lose time. That's the worst thing a game could do, in my opinion. Yeah, but I mean, it's the easiest way to punish someone. Um. I think it's cool yeah. that uh, to touch on what we kind of started out with actually the fact that there's like this that that Jesse is is possessed. Mm-hmm. The whole time I was just reading that as you know her talking to the audience. Oh really? The player. Yeah, yeah. Was that was that not your interpretation? I think at meeting at first I was like, oh, we're the entity that's with her. But I think that you immediately find out that's no, not immediately, but later in the game you find out. Oh, no, that's not the case. And from the get-go, once I realized I was there, I was like, oh, I can't trust this thing, because this thing has its own agency. And the whole time I felt like she was talking directly to me. Mm-hmm. I think it works that way, but I, I definitely felt like this malevolent nature, and I think maybe it's because I've been conditioned to these kinds of stories where it's like, hey, if you're cohabitating your, your own body with something else, chances are I probably want something in return. So it's like one of those, like, your I'm, blood. Gonna, I'm gonna use this vessel to get what I want kind of thing. And I think that happens at the end of the game. I, I actually don't fully understand a lot of this game either, and I think that's part of its charm is I don't think you need to in order to really benefit. I think the mystery is part of the fun stuff. If we solved every question that we raised, like, that's not really... That doesn't really work in this kind of a story. I agree with you. I think that having some of that type of mystique that you never really know the right black and white answers to is nice and fun. It's unsettling, um, and I like that. I don't read it as unsettling or like 
icing about it is like, I guess I was never that invested in the first place. I'm just here for the gameplay. Which served its purpose. Well, I think it complements the idea of these altered world events, which is basically um, these in-world happenings where objects of power dramatically change. Objects of power are the things that not only give you abilities, but they're also the thing that the Federal Bureau of Control has active... uh, I guess, dominion over. They're like, we can't let this thing get out in the public because doing so could be catastrophic. And so these altered world events are the result of these objects of power getting out in the wild. They're first being discovered. I like the idea of looking at the game as, uh, you know, right outside of the building on, you know, Madison Avenue in New York because the game's in New York. Um, There's just, like, people living their lives none the wiser to everything going on in the Department of Control. Yeah, and it's... uh, trying to think what movie oh duh it's men in black like the i think the allure for men in black for a lot of people when that first came out back in the late 90s was the idea that there is this organization dedicated to covertly combating supernatural forces and humanity is none the wiser because of their duty like that's so cool that's such a fun premise and i think control just executes and nails it 100 percent and and i think even within the world of control and the organization of the federal bureau of control there's like archetypes of like people you've worked with on a day-to-day basis there's you know ati he's like he's cool but he's also kind of a wild card like i don't know that i completely trust him nah but i feel like i also do like he feels like he knows way more than everyone in the room but he's also like been put in the archetype role of the janitor therefore no one really pays that much attention to him even though he knows the most about the building yeah I watched Scrubs yeah it's it's like this it's it's a it's a tired archetype but what's fun I didn't actually Ati, watch Scrubs oh well Ati is, is a cool one because he's just a Finnish man who speaks Finnish uh, and Remedy is a Finnish company so it's just nice to see them, like, evoking their own culture in a way that's approachable and fun via this really cool character. Yeah, I mean, here's the character who I think, uh, it's just striking. It's uh, the the old cassette player, the the headphones. I like the, when you actually get to use his cassette. That's uh, the coolest part of the game. It's the coolest part of the game because there's, like, diegetic music. Yeah. Which is always something that I enjoy for some reason. But but it's one of those things where, like, we're talking about pretty much end of the game. You're going through the cigarette tray maze, and or ashtray maze, sorry. Uh, the ashtray maze, and you, you know, if you go without Ati's headphones, the, the in-game item you need, you just get stuck in, like, a maze that you can never solve and get out of. <laughs> but once you get his headphones, Jesse puts them on, and then we have... Uh, Poets of the Prophets of the Fall, or something like that. It's a band that Remedy has used in pretty much every single one of their games, um, except for Quantum Break. And they're playing a, a song called Control. And it's just like this heavy metal, like 80s style. Just one of those, like, oh, this is time to kick ass kind of songs. And it's hilarious that someone like Ati is listening to that on the regular, which is like, yeah, of course he is. That makes sense. And the, the, that's where you really see the game's, like, visual style come to coalesce and have this beautiful, like, 
uh, what, like an M.C. Escher painting that you're actively fighting your way through. Worlds and walls are changing a la Inception. Enemies are falling out of view. You're flying around. You just feel like a superhero. I would have loved to have been the people who were developing that and just being like, so how do we make this level work? Because it's just, it's just mind trippy. And also, like, I would also be upset if I'm working on the game and they're like, Nick, you can't work on the ashtray maze. I'd be like, are you kidding me? That's the coolest part of the game. I, I want to work on it. Like, I feel like you could see everyone clearly had so much fun designing the ashtray maze. And it's so cool. Yeah, the ashtray maze should, is the best part of the game, it, I think. Honestly, it might be one of the best gaming moments of 2019. Like, one of the best moments I've experienced in a game in 2019. Because it was so cool. It's definitely the moment that I'll take away from the game and remember the most. I'm not going to remember, like, the hiss. Or, uh, you know. It's, now that I think about it, it's the Metal Gear Solid 3 last boss fight of the game. In that Metal Gear Solid introduces you to all these mechanics and you could choose to use any number of them, but the game expects you to master every single one in order to succeed in your final encounter. And I think that's good game design. I think that's what Control nails here. It's presented you with the tools along the way, and every trial so far has been like, a lesson, a training session leading you to this moment. And then whether or not you do well, it's like, hey, did you figure out how to play the game? And that's pretty cool. I really like that. Yeah, I think that they did... I would... You know, it just makes me wonder what some of these people could do with just more resources, because oh, I feel wow. like there's there's seeds here. There, there, there's a lot of really good hyper-polished things for the amount of money they had. So if they just had more resources to iron out some of the rough spots, to get more people to work on it, to to expand a little bit more, like they could, in theory, be making a AAA game. But then it gets back to, like, does every game need to be a AAA game? Because even Control feels like a game that, while on a single-A budget, wants to be close to a AAA game when, you know, we don't have double-A games anymore, for better or for worse. Well, I think any single or double-A game has always tried to pass off as a triple-A game. Um, sure, they might not have the budget, but they present it in a way that gives off the vibe. It's pretending to... It's walking the walk, and it's actually, in Control's case, talking the talk, I think. Um, like, if you couple that and flash back a few years, when Remedy was releasing Alan Wake, before that game had released to the public, it was originally going to be a visual showcase for PC hardware of basically the next crisis for lighting engines and physics engines. Mm -hmm. And then that kind of didn't end up working out. The entire game was going to be an open world game where you could go from vignette to vignette by just traversing the Pacific Northwest in a car and stuff like that. But had it done that, Alan Wake would have been significantly worse. The beauty of, of Alan Wake is that it works within the, the edges that have been drawn ahead of time because it's all episodic in nature. It's, you know, like a TV episode. It has a beginning, middle, and end. And by the time you start the next scenario, you have a previously on Alan Wake. And so you see what Remedy did. They realized having this grand scope doesn't work, but what if we take that money and make it look cinematic what if we make it look triple a and i think that's where they shine i'm happy that they're able to do that it's it's 
it's almost sad that Control is a game that I don't want to say deserves to be played. I don't think it's like, you know, if you're if you're making a, a games of 2019 list, it's not going to make like a top three, you have to play this. But you'd probably be a fool to not put it in a top ten, you have to play this. I think right now it's in my top three. Yeah, I think that you are very catered to by the mystique of the game. I think the game feels good. Like most games, uh, I think it, I think, it, I think it feels fine. I think if you were to tell me that I'd rather get to have another Max Payne style feel, another Control style feel, I'd take the Max Payne style feel every time. Oh no way! I don't think I could ever go back to a Max Payne after playing Control. Control doesn't feel visceral enough. You pick up objects and throw them at That's as visceral as it gets. Yeah, but it's just like, boop, 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 boop. It, feel, it feels like you get into a kind of paint-by-numbers scenario. I guess, but I, I also definitely felt that way with Max Payne 3, where at a certain point I'm like, okay, we get it, you're depressed, you have a pill addiction, and you're shooting people in the head. All right, let's, come on, let's keep going. All but right. then you can still dive and then have bullet time and be like, and then be like, ah, that was fun. I think the game's bullet time is the gliding effect, the the, the floating. I think that's the bullet time. Uh, I didn't use floating as bullet time. I used it as like strategic placement and dodging and like platforming, not like a that's let me jump in the middle of the room and then just like spin around and do like a matrix style situation. That's how you do it. Um, one of one of my personal favorite things, and this is again not for everyone. I I am a big Alan Wake fan. So, I was curious to see, you know... Hot take. (laughs) Remedy does a thing with all of their games where they always just have little Easter eggs that tie back to their other games. And I was just excited to see, oh, I wonder if there's going to be an Alan Wake reference. And there's not just a reference. They're straight up take place in the same world, which is very exciting. Um, Some of the dossiers, which I loved reading. I read every single one I found. (laughs) Fuck that. I I thought it was also interesting. I think they're very funny. I love that there's an entire office building dedicated to conspiracy theories that are just, like, so far out there. Even the Federal Bureau of Control is like, yeah, we'll put that in this building. Like, I love that there's an entire room for that, which is very fun. Um, But one thing that you learn is Jessie becomes the director early in the game. She's the one who basically oversees how the oldest house also... Fantastic name. Fantastic name. Those proper nouns. Gotta love them. Remedy knows how to use them. Um, she oversees the, the, the ma- a managerial position. But one thing you learn is that the Bureau was looking into other directors. And one of the directors you find out, a potential candidate, was Alan Wake. They're like, hey, this dude who like summoned these like weird shadow entities in the Pacific Northwest... We think he might be a good fit for a director role, but we'll see. And they're like, oh, well, he, he went missing, so maybe if he pops up again. And so, like, seeing that is just so exciting. And then once the game launched, uh, the game's writer, Sam Lake, detailed the, like, the DLC post-launch support. And the final edition is the AWE expansion, which, in the world of Control, is an altered world event. But hidden within the silhouette of that AWE graphic was the cover of Alan Wake. So the AWE Ultra World event is also the Alan Wake expansion, which is just like, you're telling me that... Because Alan Wake is not a good game. It's not a good game. 
But if you're telling me I get a sequel to Alan Wake inside of Control, that's probably the best possible scenario for an Alan Wake scenario because Alan Wake's not a fun game to play, but Control is. So if I get to live through Alan Wake 2 via the amount of fun and feel-good movement that Control offered me, I'm sold. I'd love to be in that pitch room where it's like, yeah, you know, we can't really make an Alan Wake game, but, you know, what if we just make an Alan Wake game inside of Control? Like, okay, yeah. And that feels like such an appropriate way to have a sequel to Alan Wake because it's so weird. And it's like, yeah, that's a weird thing to do, but it also works tonally for the game. And I think that's one thing we haven't really touched on is style. I think it's clearly easily one of the most stylish games this year from uh, visual motifs and color motifs that, you know, your, your deep reds, your deep blues, deep purples to evoke a vibe. You know, you get your repeating furniture and textures, which elicit some sense of horror. But also, when you venture into a new area, just the giant text that pops onto the screen with the foreboding, like, Doom. and it's just the text fills the screen and it's like, this is the uh, name building here. Like, I love that. I love that. I think it's so fun and neat. I liked it every time that it didn't interfere with what I was actually trying to look at. I feel like it never is that big of a deal. It's usually when you enter an area and it's always framed in a way that's cinematic, where you a door opens and you have this beautiful, like, sweeping diagonal shot of, like, a giant doorway, and it's like, this is this room. I was like, oh, this is cool. I'm into that. And, and not a lot of games do something like that that's so simple. But it's like they... they Just like use art or filmmaking? They use every part of the game in creation of this game, which I really do. Do you think that's just lost on most people, though? Like, no. I feel like... I feel like you're... I I appreciate it. You really appreciate it. But I feel like you're the, the 1% here. And most people are just like, ah, yeah, white text came up. No, I, I think it is one of those things that I always say. Is it's like this subtle, implicit messaging. You know, like your entertainment is like food. You put it in your body, and whether you know it or not, it's affecting you to some extent. So, sure, you might, uh, your Joe Schmo gamer might be playing through the game and like, okay, this is the central uh, intelligence room or whatever. Thanks for the info. But it, but it also like lends itself to the tone and feel of the game in a way that's, I think, subtle. And I think it, it is something that they might not need. I don't think it needs to be praised in order to be good. I think it's like, or acknowledged to be good. I think it's just one of those things that, you know, lends itself to atmosphere. It helps build an atmosphere. And the fact that you might not know what's happening is probably even better because there's no art direction, like, Bad art direction is like, oh, this is clearly stylized in a way that's, like, distracting. Yeah. But this, like, just blends in. It makes sense that this text fills the screen because that's kind of the vibe this game gives. It's very oppressive almost. Yeah, everything in the game makes sense. It was it was definitely all of the, the, the style guy had a very careful hand to it. And one that I think most games have, but here they, like, shine a spotlight on it, right? So... They, they care about that. You know that the developers care about it, which makes it feel more special. How did you feel hearing Max Payne again? I mean, it was cool. It's kind of neat, right? I, also, I love the, the director. The, even though sometimes it's, it's, all, it's all the same footage, but I just love like that foreboding, doom, and then smoking silhouette. You know, this is what happened back in the day. You know, you wake up in the morning, you have a black cup of coffee. <laughs> Someone drives into the office. 
your grizzled voice is uh, I, 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 oh, God, God, like, I just love like it's so cheesy but it works so well and the fact that it's Max Payne doing it is just even cooler yeah, I, the game just feels cool in that regard. It's like, oh, look at if if you like the other things that we make, you're gonna find these Easter eggs. Whether it's you know it's the Alan Wake stuff or it's the Max Payne stuff, and then it's those little moments that if you're disconnected from the rest of the world, it doesn't affect you at all. Like it's just oh, that's a voice actor. Like oh, this is like some some filler text. But if you appreciate their other properties, then suddenly it becomes like, whoa, look at this like interconnected cool world. Look at this like they're making they're making this web. Of, of enjoyable games. Uh, Except, I mean, I guess, again, Alan Wake isn't an enjoyable game, but, you know, potato, potato. It's interesting, but it's not enjoyable. Uh, I, I mean, I feel like we've covered most of it, but how, how did you feel about the motel? Ugh. Too easy. Well, I don't think it's a difficult thing, but I really... If you want to give me a puzzle, make it a little bit more of a puzzle. I really liked what it did story-wise, and just the idea that this is an area that you are visiting constantly but it's always a little bit different in some pretty like creepy unsettling ways and uh you know i think one of the most jarring moments in the game is when i'm walking through the motel and there's someone actually knocking on the front door like hey is anyone in there i was like oh shit what's going on yeah i'm like oh can i let them in (laughs) no okay i guess i'll get back to dealing with this this upside down room but like had this been a Zelda game, for example, it, it reminds me of the Phantom Hourglass where you're revisiting the Temple of the Ocean King over and over, and you get further and further every time you go to this temple. But unlike Zelda, Control doesn't feel the need to explore every single door that's in this motel. There's doors in the motel with very interesting symbols on them where you're like, what is... Where does this go? Yeah, I was like, where can I go? Okay, but then eventually control really conditions you to just look for the white circle and then press the use button. So I'm like, okay, there's stuff here. Okay, that's the one I need. Boop. But when I first encountered the motel, I was like, oh, I'm clearly going to go through these doors at some point in the game. But you never do. And I love that. I love that the idea that the the oldest house is constantly expanding and there's rooms people might not have even discovered. And that kind of builds the mystery in your own mind about... Just what is this place? Is the house itself some eldritch Lovecraftian monster? Like, what's going on? It's so interesting. And then you go to, uh, what is it, the foundation of the building where Ati likes to hang out. And it is very weird in there, which is just really cool. Yeah, you like art more than I do. I like shooting things. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like a fucking charlatan. Compared to your uh, your ability to like appreciate that stuff, I'm like, yeah, okay, but like, when can I do the when can I when can I do the shooting thing again? But I, I feel like that's it. I feel like we've exhausted control. I'm glad that we finally got to do it. I'm glad that I finally got to play it. I'm glad that you made me play it. I think this is an example of um, this is an example of a game that I'm happy the podcast exists for, if nothing for our own personal growth. Uh, I feel like I definitely got something out of this, and I'm glad that I forced myself to play it instead of being like, oh, I'll play it eventually, or like, oh, I'll forget about it, or I'll play it in a couple of years, and I'm like, oh, I should have played that game. Like, I do Max Payne. I play Max Payne pretty late. Um, so, I hope that you, you being you listening, actually, might have played and enjoyed this game, too. If you haven't done it yet, and you listen to this whole thing, and you should probably, like, you know, it'll probably be on sale. Yeah. Oh, I, like I think a week after it came out, it was on sale for half off. 
which just goes to show the broken state of video games right now. That's crazy. Um, but, Joey, speaking of other video games... Other games? What is our next game for Garbage Game Club? Our next game for Garbage Game Club. So this is a bit of a... We realize that there are games for the show that we want to play that are going to take longer than the two-week cycle we want to play them in. Like, eventually, when the Final Fantasy remake comes out, we'll probably do that, because Nick will finally want me to play Final Fantasy VII, and it might take me more than two weeks, because... That's going to be a... a pro- I, I hope a long game. I hope not. Um... <laughs> So, so there's games like that are coming out, and we want to do a mixture of like weird games you might not have played, AAA titles to like that are really popular, things that might draw more people into the podcast. But for the next game, we want to do Outer Worlds, which came out today. Which came out today, and I'm thinking that I'm scared about the timetable for Outer Worlds and getting it on schedule. So we are going to do Outer Worlds. This is like, you know, sometimes you when uh, it, this is like syllabus day. Yeah. You get into class and you're like, man, I got a midterm week five. Well, we have Outer Worlds week, not next week, but it's coming. So if you also want to play Outer Worlds, it's going to be a thing that that we're doing and we're going to do a show on it soon uh but before outer worlds we're actually going to subsidize that with a much shorter game uh in in a category that nick doesn't have a lot of experience or love for but i do maybe i will though maybe you will i'm gonna be giving you what i have deemed as um baby's first rts in 2019 Mm. which is a game called bad north it's it's a it's a it's a RTS with roguelike elements that is for the Nintendo Switch. Okay. I will play Bad North. You play Bad North. I'm ex- you should too. And you should too, because it's probably really cheap right now. It's like on sale. Um, and it's quick. So we can play Bad North. That'll be the next episode. It'll 100% happen. And then maybe the episode after that will be Outer Worlds. We'll see. We'll, we'll reassess that when we get closer to the, to the time. I mean, we have more things lined up. Yeah, we have other short games to fill the gap. But so, just keep in mind, week X, that's when your your midterm is. That's the outer world. Yeah. I also, uh, anyone who wants to give us feedback on Patreon or on Discord about how you feel about shorter games versus longer games versus AAA tiles versus weird niche things like Bad North or like Investigator against, you know, like Link's Awakening or things that everyone's playing. What kind of a breakdown do you enjoy? Are there types of games that you like more, like ones that you might not have heard of that feel like, hey, look at this gem versus like Outer Worlds where everyone's probably going to play it? Um, because I like doing a breadth of different things. I don't know if that's the best uh, for you which is important, or what's best for business. So some some feedback on that uh, would probably be super constructive and much appreciated. You can give us that feedback on, on our Discord, cybergarbage.cool. Let, let Nick and me know, uh, get our attention. You can leave it on the comments of this Patreon video or podcast, patreon.com slash cybergarbage. That's why we make all this possible in addition to our Twitch show, The Weekly Scoop, in addition to the other podcast, Joey Hates Movies, any support we get there is uh, really the lifeblood of everything we do. So, uh, shout out, shout out to Discord, shout out to Patreon. If you can help us, that'd be great. If you can give us feedback, 
I'm very sorry. I don't know how we're going to edit that out. I just hit the mic with a stick. I went so long without doing that. Fuck, I'm mad. Um, but also while you're there, on your podcast, go into your podcast viewer. I want you to give us five stars. On Apple. On That's the one that, that, that matters. matters. So go to Apple Podcasts. Even if you don't use Apple Podcasts, I want you to go on there, create an account, sign in on your computer, and leave a five-star review. I don't have an Apple phone, nor do I have an Apple computer. But you best believe I left a five-star review on my Windows PC on Apple Podcasts. If you do that, you'll help grow this operation, baby, because Apple's like, hey, this is good content. This is good hashtag content. This is what the people want. And I'd, it'd be pretty cool to get into top gaming podcasts. I mean, I know that I'm already there with the other show that I do, so I think that Nick is just getting jealous that we can't do it together. You know, I'm uh, I'm currently my Dota podcast is like beating out some IGN shows right now, so I don't know I if you have do a uh, podcast that people actually care about. Why do you hold the fucking uh, phone? Uh, Holy shit! I think there's a world where a lot of people would like listening to this podcast. I genuinely feel that. I think that as someone like you listen to a lot of video game podcasts, and I think that there's a there's a market for people who do what we do well. Because a lot of people who do what we do not well, and I'm not. I don't want to be too conceited, but I think we're good at what we do. And uh, why does IGN have so many podcasts? Like, do I need one specifically for whatever the fuck is going on with Sony? Probably not. Like, calm down. I didn't. Just, I didn't make them. You didn't make them? I mean, I just assume that everything IGN goes through your, your blood, so. <laughs> like, I would need a Sony one and a Microsoft one. Oh, catch up on all the Microsoft news. Like, whatever. I mean, it, it makes sense, because people like f- fanboy console wars, right? But thank you for... Oh, yeah, our show. Thank you for listening. To Garbage Game Club. We will see you next time for the Bad North. But don't forget to study for the Outer Worlds. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye and good night. Did you text Sam? Mm-hmm.